Welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat, the podcast where we take animals you see every day, animals you've heard of, and animals you didn't know existed, and break them down in a single episode. Our goal as animal lovers is to spread knowledge and awareness about the creatures we share this floating rock with. We hope you learn something new. Hello and welcome to Curiosity Taught the Cat. I'm Jack. I'm Julia. And what are we talking about today, Julia? So today we are talking about the orca. Uh, another common name for that everyone probably has heard of is killer whale. Um, and another fun name I learned was wolves of the sea. Um, and they call them that just because of their hunting behavior, which we'll get into later. Yeah, it, it's very similar. And also, it being called killer whale, it's actually not a whale. No. S- starting right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Killer whales are not whales. They are technically dolphins. And they're the largest species of dolphin. And then I saw, I don't know if you looked into it, why they are called the killer whale. Apparently they got that name because early sailors saw them eating bigger whales. Yeah. So they called them whale killers. And then at some point the name got moved around to where it got called killer whale. Mm-hmm. When that's not necessarily um, correct. And then I also learned it's... Latin name, the Orsinus or Orcanus Orca. Mm-hmm. That first part, Orsinus or Orca, Orsinus or Orcanus, means of the kingdom of the dead. Oh, nice. <laughs> so that just from the bat, like right off the bat, they're just known as like these these killers, these vicious creatures. When we'll get into, that's not necessarily the case. So I'm sure someone has, you know, everyone has seen pictures or videos of orcas before, you know. Um, they're pretty, you know, common to see. There's a lot of news about them and stuff like that. But just general appearance-wise, they're mostly back black with, like, white patches. So you see white patches, like, on their underside, right behind their eye, um, behind their dorsal fin. And it can change with different species of orcas because there are a couple of different species. Yeah. And the white can also be yellowish or gray sometimes, depending on where they're found as well. Yeah, and the... And like she said, the different species, but what it basically comes down to is where are they found in the world? Mm-hmm. The Wherever they found in the world, all the orcas in that area will all have similar uh, color patterns compared to other places of the world. So that's what distinguishes it is where they lived. And we'll get into that as well with the diversity of and how that came about. So we were just talking about this. I don't think people realize how big orcas are. They are big creatures. So, males are actually typically larger than females. Um, The males can range anywhere from 20 to 26 feet long, and the females about 16 to 23 feet long. So, not like a huge difference, but the females are just slightly smaller. And just like a fun fact, you know, they do have a dorsal fin. Um, So, you know, like we see that on the dolphins, the sharks, the top fin. And the male's dorsal fin can get up to 6 feet tall. So the yeah. size of a human being is how tall its fin is alone, and the female's is smaller, around three yeah. feet long. And then I did see the largest orca ever caught, documented, was a male, and he was 32 feet. He was yeah. the largest ever recorded, which is truly, that's, people, that's like the size of a bus. Yeah. Like he's the size of a bus. So they are, they are not small creatures. We are very lucky that we are not ocean dwelling. 
And just talking about their weight, orcas can get up to six tons. So that's what, 12,000 pounds? Yes. That is a lot. And it's because, you know, unlike other dolphin species, they have very thick um, skin, cartilage, blubber, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is because they can live in places like the Arctic. So they need this extra insulation, which just adds to the weight of them. So what Julia mentions, they can be found in the Arctic. I think one of the more interesting things, because I didn't know going into it, Second to humans, orcas might be the most distributed species on Earth. So humans obviously can be found literally anywhere in the world. Killer whales orcas are found in every ocean in the world. They are thought to be the second most distributed species, second to humans. Which So they can be anywhere. They are found all over the place, and that's where we get into the different coloration. There's different sizing, how close they are to shore, how far they are from shore, how warm it is, all the other creatures that are there that they can eat on. It just all depends. And then with that, we can do that as a segue to get into what they eat depending on where they live. So as far as their, you know, their eating habits, um, it varies between species where they are, just like we mentioned. So there are some, you know, like closer to shore, there's some that will stick to seals as their main diet because seals are found on rocks and on shores and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, orcas that are farther out of the ocean stick on schools of fish, like herring that they eat. And, you know, they can eat pretty much anything. They mm-hmm. eat small fish. They eat whales. They eat sharks. I mean, they will eat whatever they can, basically. I mean, I've also seen that, so orcas are also able to dive up to 500 feet and they will prey on cephalopods, so yeah. uh, squids and octopus as well. So that there is basically nothing that isn't on the menu for them. And then before we get too much further, I want to do this because I did take notes. So we, we keep saying different species. We, what we mean by that is there's enough genetic difference between these that they are their own species. They're still orcas. They're still killer whales. But there is just enough genetic difference for them to be considered their own species and as of right now, there's not necessarily names for all of them. They're just, we they know of different ones. And I was just going to list them real quick. So in the Northern Hemisphere, we have resident orcas, bigs orcas, offshore, North Atlantic type 1, and North Atlantic type 2. Those are all in the Northern Hemisphere. And in the summer, Southern Hemisphere, the naming conventions are great. It's really easy. It's type A, type B small, type B large, type C, and type D. So there's about, was that, 10 yeah. different orca species in the world um obviously like we said they're all still similar enough but like we'll see the difference in like color pattern feeding habits communication how they interact how they hunt size all that stuff so it's enough of a difference where they are their own things uh or their own species so just a quick little also fun fact orcas are extremely intelligent creatures um I learned that they actually have the second largest brain of marine animals behind the sperm whale. Um, But they are incredibly intelligent. I mean, all dolphin species are really intelligent. Um, And so with that intelligence, they have dozens of different hunting strategies just based on what they're going to eat, basically. And so I'll just start getting into it because it really is a lot. Um, so with seals, seals like to, you know, be perched on rocks or on ice and the way orcas will get to them is they will basically 
charge it as if they're going to ram it, but then dive under at the last second to create this big wave that basically just knocks seals off the ice or off the rocks. Yes. And then they're in the water. They're pretty much helpless. And this is, and we're not saying this is like one whale doing this is multiple killer whales will line up with each other and all get in formation, swim as fast as they can at the rock, create this huge wave. Mm-hmm. And there'll usually be one or two orcas waiting on the other side, waiting for whatever it is to get knocked off the rock or ice, just waiting there, catch it, eat it, move on to the next one. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just one way. And then, Another one I saw is with sharks because, believe it or not, nine times out of ten, orcas will win a fight in a, between a great white shark and themselves. Um, they are literally like apex predators of the seas. So they will attack sharks as big as great whites. And what they'll do is they'll basically slap the shark on their head with their tail and kind of like confuse them, daze them. And then after that, they'll flip the shark over onto its back And with sharks, when this happens, it sends them into a paralyzed state. And once the shark is paralyzed, they just eat it. I mean, it's as simple as that. And then with hunting the smaller, like, fish of school, like the herrings, um, the orcas will herd them into a circle, what they call the carousel. So it's the, the school of fish swimming in a circle like a carousel. And what they'll do is they'll slap through the school of fish, kind of like what we saw with the thresher shark. Yep. They'll slap it with their tails and then swim through and eat whatever's, you know, injured, paralyzed. And then with some of the larger predators, um, they like to chase animals into shallow waters. So they saw the, them doing this with um, narwhals. They will literally just hoard it into shallow waters until it's trapped. I mean, and it's just, again, the, just the intelligence of this creature to know that. And that goes back to what Julie said earlier, how one of the names is the wolves of the sea. Mm-hmm. Or how they're employing these these tactics of this pack hunting to corner things, get them where they need to. Um, what would be the word? Kind of like section off yeah. ones that are weaker, that sort of thing. Where it's that, we see that like pack mentality, these hunting tactics. And then to give more credence to like how effective they are, like great whites, for example. I didn't know this because I never realized looking at pictures, looking at videos. The orca's teeth can get up to four inches long. So you usually think of a whale, like most whales, they don't really have teeth. I think dolphins have pretty tiny teeth. Most whales have filters instead of teeth. But then the orca has actual teeth that are, can get up to four inches long to give an idea of how just vicious they can be and how uh, destructive they can be, especially going against something like a great white. So when talking about like packs and whatnot, one of the big things we can talk about, I keep saying the word pack, it's actually a pod. So a group of whales, a group of dolphins, they're called pods. So an orca's family is called a pod. They are very, very, very social creatures. They are just as social as humans, I would argue. They have very tight-knit family groups that can be up to 40 different orcas. And most of the time, it will be... I think I saw it'll usually be three or four different families, quote unquote families, and it's a few generations of those three or four families. Most of the time, and this depends on the orca species, where they live, all that, but a lot of the time when an orca gives birth, when a female orca gives birth, that that baby will grow up and stay in that same pot. So that's that keeps that close-knit, that, that family sort of uh, mentality that they have. Um, and along with um, just their like families, because there are you know many, there are multiple different pods you know around the world, obviously. Um, and I learned that each pod has kind of its own special dialect, where 
it's they communicate with each other, they understand each other, but other pods might not necessarily understand what they're saying as well. Um, because they are extremely, um, I guess, talkative creatures. They make a lot of communicational noises. Yeah, and the, I guess a good way to put that in perspective is think about, like, in your family, if you and your siblings or whoever have, like, inside jokes or, like, you, like, say things that only your family would pick up on, people outside of that, outside of your family, aren't going to know what you're talking about. That's essentially what's going on here is the way these orcas communicate is so unique to them that orcas and other pods aren't going to necessarily know what's going on. Then another thing that can be pod-specific is diet. So usually it's whatever the older orcas eat, that's what the younger ones eat. And they don't stray away from that. So like we talked about, there are different orca pods that will eat purely fish. They don't eat anything else. They will not touch anything else. There are orcas that only eat other mammals, whether they be dolphins, sea lions, um, whales, whatever it may be. and then there are ones that only go for like cephalopods, octopus, and squid. And like you said, it depends on the family they're in, what their traditional diet is. And that get, that's something that does get passed on. And one thing that is interesting too with like the dolphins is coastal orcas are typically very friendly with dolphins. They swim with them. They play with them. There's been a lot of documentation on that. But then if you go, you know, a couple hundred miles out to sea – Orcas will prey on dolphins. It could be the same exact species of dolphin, but just because they're in different areas and the diet's different, the, those orcas will eat the dolphins while the coastal ones will be playing with them and interacting with them. And just mentioning that, um, orcas are known to be extremely playful, um, not only with each other, but there's also been you know like tourist boats and fisher boats where orcas will actually come up and sort of like, make fun of or play with the people on the boat by, you know, like, spitting at them or splashing them or, you know, like, trying to scare them, like, quote-unquote. And it's really interesting to see because, you know, we we think of them as these big, bad creatures, but I don't think there's one um, in the wild orca fatality with humans, which is really interesting. They are not known to attack humans in any way. It's almost seen as, like, you know... Um, like a higher species with a higher species communicating with each other. It's really cool. And I, I do think it goes back to they've been taught what to eat. They don't stray outside of that. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have a desire to try new things. They have their diet. They know what they like, and that's what they go for. Then one other thing I want to talk about before we get into uh, some other technical things like reproduction like we usually do uh, is the question, how do orcas sleep? And really this pertains to all water ma- – or I say water mammals – the water mammals that are like dolphins and whales. So the way they sleep is they do not go fully unconscious. They cannot. So humans are able to go fully unconscious when we sleep because our breathing is automatic. We don't have to think about breathing. Our body just does it. In whales and dolphins, it is not automatic. They have to consciously do it. So that's why they have to come to the surface to get that air and then they can dive back down. So in order to get around that, uh, an orca will only have half of its brain go to sleep at a time. So it is still quote-unquote conscious and is able to detect predators, able to focus on breathing, is able to keep moving, but that's how it ends up getting its sleep and its rest. And while it's sleeping, quote-unquote, it will just slowly swim along, usually near the surface. It's not really doing anything. It's not hunting. It's just slowly swimming along while while it can switch back and forth between what side of the brain is sleeping and what isn't. So getting into their reproduction. So we talked about these, you know, tightly knit families. 
Um, killer whales are um, polygamous. Um, so they will have multiple um, partners within the Potter family. And basically the mothers um, don't give birth like too often. It's not, you know, like constant trying to like, mm. you know, create tons of babies at a time. The mother will give birth um, every three to ten years to only one calf. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's the whole thing where they have, they you know, they take care of this baby until it's fully grown. And then after that, they're like, okay, now let's have another one. They are very mm -hmm. caring creatures. Yes. And that's, uh, we see this, and we, we've probably gotten into it a little bit. We'll probably get into it more. With breeding a lot of the time, there's usually two mentalities. The one is just numbers game. It's pump out as many children as possible, get them out there, don't worry about caring for them, just get them out into the world. Whereas with like humans, elephants, whales, um, larger carnivores, it's have smaller, uh, when you give birth, have one, two, maybe three at a time. And it's focus on taking care of them, get them to a age where they can sustain themselves. And usually a good indicator of this is how long it takes for the gestation. How long is the mother pregnant? So for like we know humans, women are pregnant for around nine months. Elephants, I think it's like an 18-month pregnancy. With orcas, it's between 15 and 18 months. It is a long pregnancy. And the reason for that is they want to make sure when that baby is born, it is very developed. That it can come out and it is pretty much good to go and they can help it and they don't have to necessarily worry too much about it. So with the baby orcas or the calves, um, when they are born, they are ready to go right away. They can swim. Um, they don't hunt right away. They actually nurse for up to two years on their mothers while kind of just watching all the hunting techniques take place. Um, but babies are born eight feet long. So, it, I mean, you see that with like, you know, even baby elephants. We think, you know, they're tiny and cute. They are big right from yep. the get-go. And like I mentioned earlier too, depending on the pod, where they live, what kind of species it is, that juvenile will most likely grow up to stay within that pod and will never leave that pod, which is very interesting. There is no, it's just that tight-knit group family mentality like we talked about. And then before we get into like predators, one, one big thing we want to talk about is uh, the average lifespan. And the range I'm about to give is a big range, but it's like we talked about before where when things are in the wild, the range is usually pretty big and it's, it's can be, it can be very, very different depending on what's going on with them. But typically it's between um, 50 and 80 years. Uh, it all depends. Now we're starting to see that number starting to decline, which I'll let Julia get into those reasons. That number starting to go down, but they're pretty long living as we see with most with whales, dolphins, they are pretty long living creatures. Um, and just another little quick fun fact, um, recently in the past, I think five years, they have found an orca that they estimate to be about 120 years old in the Arctic. And so, you know, we talk about their living and it's the kind of thing where they can develop, you know, they don't have any serious predators and they can live a long time um, when they're like well nourished. Um, so I'm about to jump into, you know, a really big topic. Um, it's something I'm very passionate about. When we talk about the predators, in the wild, they have no natural predators. They are literally top dog. Um, you know, you think about that too with like great white sharks. They're, you know, like neck and neck apex predators of the ocean. The only natural predators are humans. And I'm just going to jump into um, 
SeaWorld. So, so you know, SeaWorld is um, an amusement park where they have, you know, dolphins, sea lions, orcas on display doing tricks and stuff. Um, SeaWorld is not a good place at all. It is not good for the animals at all. Um, and there's a very interesting documentary. Um, it's called Blackfish. And it just talks about the orcas at SeaWorld. And I'm not going to go into all of it. Um, but there are some, you know, facts about, you know, they're basically in swimming pools their entire life. Um, there's, you know, their dorsal fin is, you know, bent over. And the people at SeaWorld will tell you that about 50% of orcas have what's called this bent fin. When in reality, the bent fin only occurs in less than 2% of orcas in the wild. Um, and it's just a sign of their, you know, decline of health. And people at SeaWorld will say that orcas on average live 13 years. And like I just said, we just found one that's over 100 years old in the wild. Um, and so it's, it's really sort of a hard thing to talk about because of how these animals are treated, that they're, you know, not given the proper nourishment, care. Um, you know, the young are separated from their mothers. They don't even, you know, develop, grow up properly. Um, and it's a really interesting documentary, and places are slowly being shut down. Um, but it's definitely something to look into. And like I said, that uh, documentary called Blackfish, it's a really good documentary. And because you guys know I'm all big on learning new words, some new things I learned in regards to what Julie was talking about with the SeaWorld stuff. So the, in animals, there's a thing called zoocosis, which are when you see these repetitive patterns that appear in animals that they don't, that's not for any specific reason. It's almost basically as if the animals have lost their mind in a zoo. So for example, with orcas, what you will see, you'll see them just swimming in circles. They're not doing anything. It's for no specific reason. They're not trying to, they're literally just swimming in a circle, which is horrible that they develop these things and should be a huge indication that something is wrong when they're doing these things that are not things that they do in the wild. And as I mentioned earlier, there have been no reported attacks, fatalities of orcas with humans in the wild. Um, the only fatality of an orca killing a human was at SeaWorld. And this was years ago um, in the 90s or early 2000s. And they talk about this in the documentary Blackfish. Um, there was an orca called uh, Tilikum. And he was doing tricks with one of his trainers. And, um, you know, something went wrong. Um, he dragged the trainer underwater and basically uh, killed her. And, you know, they sort of try to blame it all on the trainer. Like, it was her fault. Um, and it's not the orca's fault either. It's just this orca is so used to doing the same thing over and over again that it kind of just snapped, basically. Mm. Um, you know, which is what you see. I mean, these orcas literally snap in captivity. They attack each other when they usually don't. Um, you know, they, like, scar themselves on the side of walls. I mean, it's just a really unhealthy place for them. Now, with all this being said, and it is horrible that we have done this to these creatures, uh, we wish we could take it back sort of thing. 2016, they did announce that they are cutting back or try, they're phasing out all live animal shows in, in SeaWorld locations, which is great. I don't think they've gotten it down to completely zero yet, but they have been stopping that and releasing animals or stop breeding them in captivity sort of thing. So there is a little bit of a shining light with all this. 
And really all it takes is people, like I said, literally shining a light on it. People making a fuss about it. People showing that how upset they are seeing these animals like this. That's how change is going to happen with these creatures. And along with stuff like SeaWorld that's harming the orcas, there is also pollution. That's probably one of the biggest things for the wild orcas. Whether it be uh, toxic chemical dumping, uh, oil spills, uh, over-harvesting um, over of things the orcas eat, that's probably going to be the other big thing that's harming them. And like we said, they have no natural predator, except we're basically the ones that are killing them off because of all these things going on. And then before we go, so we're not ending on a totally sad note, we do have some a little bit more fun, I'll, I'll consider them more fun facts. The one that I have that I've always found fascinating is the orca is one of the only predators to the moose. And people hear that, they're like, what? Well, okay, so moose are strong swimmers. Moose do swim. And where they end up usually swimming is where orcas do live. And so orcas will eat moose. And there's not a lot of other things that prey on moose because moose are very large creatures. So the orca is one of the only predators to the moose. Um, so just some quick fun facts that I have are um, orcas are only one of three animals that go through menopause. Um, so, you know, obviously humans do, orcas, and then the other one is the short-finned pilot whales are the only three animals that are known to go through menopause. Um, the second one that I have is orcas don't have a sense of smell. They don't have a, like, a smell lobe at all. Um, they just are, you know, visual hearing creatures. Um, and then the last one I have is um, they're actually, for their size, they're pretty fast. They can swim up to 30 miles an hour. Um, you know, of course, that's not like they're cruising. Cruising speed is about two to three miles an hour. Um, but during, you know, hunting, uh, playing, just like that, they can swim pretty fast. And that wraps up everything we have on the orca. We hope you've enjoyed and have gotten some enlightenment, even though it may be a little more popular creature. We're hoping we may have taught you something new or opened your eyes to something. One big announcement we wanted to talk about is this Friday, we will be debuting our first episode on an extinct animal. Our plan is we're going to do the first Friday of every month, we're going to do an episode on an extinct animal like we had discussed before. And this could be something that is millions of years ago or could be 10, 15, 20, 30, whatever. It could be any extinct animal. We just want to shine light because there are so many animals that have been on this earth. Uh, just what we have alive today is just a fraction of everything that's been around. So we want to shine light on all those other creatures as well. So be sure to tune in this Friday. We're planning on releasing at 10 a.m. just like the normal release schedule for the Wednesday episodes. The first extinct animal episode is going to be the Glyptodon, which is a very interesting animal, and I think people should tune in for that one. And then next Wednesday for our normal podcast, we will be talking about the grasshopper mouse. I'd also like to thank my friend, the musical artist known as Shades, for creating this amazing intro and outro for this podcast. I highly recommend checking out his other work.